You are listening to It's Midnight Somewhere with DJs Mistress McCutcheon and The Wasteland. It's midnight somewhere. It's midnight. Hi, this is Mistress McCutcheon, and of course, I am accompanied by my DJ partner in crime, The Wasteland. Hello. And we actually have a lot of stuff going on right now. Life has been kind of nuts. I've just come off of not just a Prophecy Psalms edition, but this past weekend was the Goths First Sanctuaries event. And it's been an ongoing event for the past three, four days at this point, and it's going up until just before you hear this podcast. That's happening. And then I'm also really excited because Interference Radio has invited us on October 30th for a very special event. And this coming week, October 2nd, it's a first Friday and Prophecy will be on at twitch.tv slash prophecy underscore online. And we have some special shenanigans going for you guys where we are going to basically be swapping places and outfits and doing our best impression of each other as DJs and people behind the deck, including fashion choices. Fashion choices and genres, indeed, indeed. So I'll be spinning an all electro industrial set while uh, the Wasteland uh, has his way with spinning a very goth set. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, You should follow us on the Twitch channel and uh, you can get all the details on that. So it's been busy. Yeah, it's 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 been a it's been a busy time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm noticing how your voice went up and that just emphasizes how much how much crazy is going on. It really does. Yeah. You know, it's it's been it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Uh, Not in a bad way. Mostly. Mostly. But mostly. But hey, uh, we uh, we're just going to keep on trucking and talk about music and we want to keep bringing you all sorts of musical delights. And this week's episode, we are talking about the songs that shaped us, which that title is very much in the theme of the series that are on Netflix like right now, because there's the toys that shaped us and the video games that shaped us. And if you haven't checked out those particular series, the, they're great docuseries on Netflix uh, and a lot of fun. And it's a nice trip down nostalgia way. So actually, would you like to go first and talk about what qualifies as your one of your formative songs and a song that shaped you? Uh, sure. And, and I already know, I, I can already hear you groaning because I'm going to go with, because I have to, um, back to the late 90s and I'm going to go with a V Nation song. <sighs> uh, now, uh, because at the time I was listening to a lot of like more mainstream electronic music, a lot of Deep House, a lot of trance and stuff like that. And uh, VMA Nation came along and was doing kind of the same things and the same key progressions, but they had vocals to it. So if it weren't for them and their early stuff, uh, I would probably not be here today. I would probably not have kept going to clubs in that genre. And I don't know that we'd hang out. So... As much as I know you're groaning in your brain, um, because I know how you feel about the band, 
Uh, I, I'm very much gonna pick one of their, their older songs. And there were a handful at the time, because that was right around the time Empires came out, which, um, I forget what year that was, 97 or 98, I think. Anyway, you could, there was a whole slew of their songs that were being played almost every, uh, weekend, wherever you went. So, uh, they would... One DJ would sometimes play two of them back to back if the if the floor packed in enough. So I was like, all right, I, that's I thought a rule you're not supposed to do that, but whatever, it works. <laughs> there aren't really any rules to this thing, but uh, I think to pick one of the one of the songs that were played locally by me and not one of the ones that were played to death because everybody knows like standing was played all the time and for us where i was joy was played all the time and i do like those songs i would like to pick and call out the uh the vocal version of the song savior because it's kind of a b-side it's a little bit of a deeper cut but like whenever that one came on that was always the one that got my attention Fill your hollow soul again You'll seek a 
I do have a confession. I actually do own a copy of Empires. And the only reason (laughs) I do is because as a DJ, I felt it was something I probably needed in my collection. But then I realized I didn't really like it. So I it's not my thing. It's not for me. And if folks come up and request V&V Nation, I will probably make a face and just say no, because I'm like, no, this is not what I play. And I only play stuff that I like. And that's that's just the way it's going to go. It's because you're right. There are no rules, but there you make your own rules. And as a DJ, I'm not going to play stuff I don't like. And sometimes there's just stuff that's not for me. And that's fine. But I do actually own that. No, that's that's tire, entirely fair. I mean, you 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 know how I feel about requests. And for those who don't know, my laptop has a, a pair of stickers front and center. The top one says uh, "Sorry, no requests," and uh, directly underneath that, there's one that says "P.S. Odin thinks you're a douchebag." <laughs> <laughs> oh, the P.S. Odin thinks you're a douchebag is a good one. Um, a very lovely lady named Tempest was designing sigils, and that particular one is a sigil to uh, ward off Nazis, which I'm like, yep, we'll we'll take that because there's never a bad time to punch a Nazi. And, and we're, 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 we're going to take that side because seriously, if you're not, then uh, we have problems. And it's that simple because the world is in a fucked up yep. place right now. And there is shit coming out of the news that's terrifying. But you know what? I'm not going to start getting into that because I will go on an epic tear. We're here to talk about music. Yes. <laughs> 
We're here to talk about music. So what's your first pick? What's your first song that shaped you? One of the songs that's definitely part of my formative listening experience in this genre uh, has to be The Cure, which is my all-time favorite mm-hmm. band. And I was exposed to it as a as a wee child. Uh, I really became aware that The Cure was a band in the era when Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me had been newly released, and we were anticipating the release of Disintegration. So just to point where that falls in music history, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me came out in 1986, and Disintegration was released in 1989. So that was my first exposure to The Cure, but the first cassette that I bought from The Cure was actually called Japanese Whispers. And it's not actually an album, but it's a compilation that contains the singles Let's Go to Bed, The Walk, and Love Cats, which were like big, sing- big, oh, very well-known little... singles from The Cure. But in a time before- Yeah, that's, that's a good little cassette. Yes. <laughs> it's a good collection uh, with those tracks on it and then additional things that were uh, B-sides and extras because there's always great- extra secret coveted things that you can find because in a time before the internet we scoured for that stuff you'd have to find b-sides and and go digging through uh, the record store and you'd have to learn things through other friends and and the track that i was really drawn to on that album japanese whispers i'll throw it into a set every now and again and that track is just one kiss
before I went to clubs, there was a couple of songs that would pop out every once in a while. One of the things that I would do in the 90s, 90s was a good time for like movie soundtracks, right? You had a lot of movie studios that were trying to recreate things because some movie soundtracks were even better than the films. And, and this is where I'm going to shit on The Crow a little bit because the soundtrack is better in the movie. And I'm going to lose some goth cred for this because the movie sucks. Uh, <laughs> but... I'm not going to pick something from the Crow soundtrack. What I'm going to actually pick something is that something that was on the ever-fateful Mortal Kombat soundtrack. Okay. Yeah, okay, right? You remember that? There was A friend of mine picked it up because he was like, oh, it's got that Mortal Kombat techno song on it. That was awful, but whatever. Um, people liked it, and every once in a while, they would play it at the laser tag place by me. But uh, the song that was on there that stood out to me and, and was another reason why I ended up hanging out in clubs as much as I did was from Cubinate, and that's Oxyacetylene. Oh. And I think that was probably one of the first songs that got me onto a dance floor for the first time because it's good, stompy industrial that you could move to. And like I knew that song before I'd ever set foot in the clubs because by the time you know I get to the clubs in the late 90s, early aughts, uh, that song had already been a classic and was still filling floors. So, you know... It's it's probably a little tired now, but I have dropped it into a set once or twice at Prophecy. I don't play it that much because there are people who play it still every Friday night. Uh, but, you know, every once in a while, I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to sneak it in there. So, yeah, it's it's, you know, it's a great track. I don't know how you feel about it, but I can definitely confirm it's a dance floor banger. It is guaranteed to have butts on the floor moving uh and it is a good track it really is yeah and the f- i just i just thought it was funny like a friend of mine picked it up for this for the stupid mortal Kombat song and i was like but this one's better <laughs> <laughs> so let's drop that in here in case somebody hasn't heard it this year
Okay, the next song I'd like to talk about actually comes from Lycia's first album, Ionia. Ionia came out in 1991 and had a major impact on my ear holes because this is at a time where the zine scene was really strong and through the 90s zine scene, I discovered a lot of different things because you'd have all sorts of regional zines that were swap and there was a lot of swapping going on that was kind of reporting what was going on in local scenes and in certain areas, what was coming out of Southern California versus what was coming out of Toronto and Pittsburgh and zines from New York and Philly and all over the place. And Project Records was promoting their stuff through all sorts of magazines and zines in a really big way. And it was a great way to get into dark ambient and what was what was also termed dark wave. Although the term dark wave is a debatable term because it has been used to describe a lot of the music that's come out of Project Records. And it's also used to describe bands like Wolfsheim. I remember hearing uh, The Sparrow and the Nightingale and being told, oh, that's what dark wave is. So labels mean things. It's a way to help describe what the sound is. And regardless, I was really into Project Sound and Lycia, that first album had a great impact on me because it was so dark and so dreary and so beautiful. Granada was a track that was included on a lot of different little local compilations, again, through that 90s zine scene. But my choice pick for Ionia is the song called Desert. I can't feel it. 
we covered my version of the cure um, when we did our ministry episode and we talked about that and what ministry ministry was my version of the cure I'm not going to go back into ministry though because that while they shaped me we I, we don't need to relitigate that right we did that band we've talked about them enough they don't need more of their music played so I'm gonna go in a different direction I'm gonna go with you know something that I remember the first time I heard it. It was something new and different because you know oxycetylene I heard on um, a soundtrack, and I just happened into that one. And you know VMV Nation I got into because they sounded like other music that was coming out at the time that I liked, just you know slightly more aggressive. Um, because believe it or not, back then they were slightly more aggressive than especially they are now. Um, but I. The aggression in certain things has always stood out to me. And then there was, it would only come on once in a while. And that song was the version of Hellraiser by Suicide Commando. Suicide Commando, I always found, I like some tracks on every album, but I was never like a huge fan. But the guy's been doing the same thing since like 1987 he's been around. So, uh, you know, he he's paid his dues and has created a lot of music over the years. And some of it is pretty good, but some of it it's eh, not not hmm, I don't know. I had my my time in agrotech and uh, I would say Suicide Commando is kind of what got me there, and there's a lot of bands that I found because of Suicide Commando, either doing, you know, remixes for them or whatever. Like, he's even remixed, I think, VMV Nation stuff, and they've done him. But the Hellraiser song, because, as you know, Laura, I'm a bit of a especially 80s horror movie fan. <laughs> no, you don't say. So I, uh, you know, that was a song that really grabbed me. And they have a version called the Psychopath 2 version that I really like because of the, the way the drums kick in on it. It's a little bit longer than the original and definitely longer than the one you would hear in the club, which was actually, I believe, the song that was the V&V Nation remix of Hellraiser. So, but uh, that's what I would like to drop in here because even though the V&V one is the one that got my attention, when I went out and actually found the album, because as you said, you'd have to go and search. And you were either searching record stores or if, if you know, you knew where to go, you could, with the, you know, the birth of the internet, you could uh, buy a CD and wait for it to come in the mail the old school way, you know, before they just, you know, downloaded MP3s to you. Right. So... Uh, I actually bought it, I think, off the Metropolis mail order and uh, got it that way. Nice. So, yeah, real old school. (laughs) (laughs) 
which is, uh, uh, oddly enough, Metropolis Mail Order screwed up once. And just to throw in a side note here and a little a, a jaunt, but uh, that's how I discovered the Goth Schools, because I didn't know what they were, and I ordered something, and they sent me a copy of Nesferatu, and I was like, what the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> these, these song names look stupid. And they're like, do you want to return it? Well, or you could pay for it and keep it. And then I was like, I opened it and I listened to it. I'm like, this is funny. Yeah, I'm going to keep it. <laughs> so anyway, here's uh, the Hellraiser version for um, the Psychopath 2 version from Suicide Commando.
This was kind of a tough episode to deal with because just narrowing down to three songs uh, was tricky. Definitely. But one of the things that helped me kind of make my list here was what's really stuck out and what's really stuck with me through all this time. And my third pick that I want to bring up uh, actually has to do with a particular instrument. Do you know what an Ebo is? Uh, No. Not offhand. It's actually the brand name of a small electronic device that's about the size of your hand that's used with an electric guitar, and it creates continuous vibrations on the strings. So whenever anybody mentions hmm. an Ebo, I can't not think of Tones on Tail. Tones on Tails, Christian says, was a staple track at the Pyramid in the early 90s on Thursday nights because they'd always do uh, an 80s night on Thursdays, which is kind of funny to think that, yeah, people were doing 80s nights in the early 90s. But (laughs) that was a song that I would always pick up on and recognize on a dance floor. And it's it starts off with that that riff and that Ebo. It's unmistakable. And so anytime there's ever any mention of or any music that involves an Ebo, I'm like, Tones on Tail. If you don't know Tones on Tail, you should. It's the project between Bauhaus and Love and Rockets. And the band itself contains Daniel Ash, Kevin Haskins on drums, and Glenn Campling on bass. And... Daniel Ash did redo the song Christian Says on his redo album, Stripped. But in my opinion, it's the weakest redo on that album. And I'm like, why would you touch the original? The original is so perfect. It is a very perfect song. So let's put that in. Here's Christian Says.
And that's it for this episode. Thanks to our producer, Justin Minister, to Robin Bright for our theme music, and to Marion Green for our logo. If you like what you hear, please spread the word. It helps us out a lot. If you want to reach out with the songs that shaped you, drop us an email at itsmidnightsomewherepodcast at gmail.com or comment over on our Facebook page. You can also catch Prophecy on Friday night, October 2nd at 10 p.m. EST to catch our sets. Follow us at twitch.tv slash prophecy underscore online. I hope everyone is doing okay out there. Until next time. This podcast was almost called Gothquisition.